Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. That is the pause that refreshes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if, if uh, James Comey, the head of the FBI as of now, uh, author of a, a news event, I've uh, tried to push the hashtag of Comey Kazi. Uh, if he's as crafty and as um, cunning as people are either giving him credit or blaming him for, he would have uh, hired a former Miss uh, Arkansas to come forward Friday night to say that uh, Donald Trump kissed her or groped her. That would have taken all the pressure off him. But no, he didn't. So now we have... uh, what is described by a lot of Hillary Clinton partisans as uh, the furor over a nothing burger, the uh, ongoing story of her private domestically domiciled email server, and um, which was a, a violation of State Department policy, and FBI Director Comey's letter Testimony followed by a letter followed by another letter violating, we're told, Justice Department policy, which I guess is is another nothing burger. So it's nothing burgers for everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Have a have a have a, have good time, all the time, uh, and uh, th- there's only one way to follow that, and that's with this. We're not number one. Well, we're close. According to the CAF's World Giving Index, and you can ask me later about what the CAF is, and I still won't know, it, uh, it's an index that measures the average percent of people in each country who donate money, volunteer, or help a stranger. Uh, for the current year's index, 140 countries were surveyed. Think about the poor countries that were left out. And for the third year in a row, who's number one on the World Generosity Index? It's the United... No, it's not. It's Burma, or Myanmar. That's a country so nice they named it twice. The most generous country in the world. We, in the United States, are number two. Australia's number three. The UK is the ninth most generous country in the world. So, they're pound pinchers. They are. The least generous country of those surveyed. China. China. They're killing us. uh almost as ungenerous, Palestine, Yemen, and Greece. Well, why do you think? <laughs> the most improved countries in the index were Turkmenistan. I, I, I smelled improvement whenever I think of Turkmenistan. Kosovo and Peru. And the country that tops the list, ladies and gentlemen, for helping a stranger. Guesses? Any guesses? No, don't, don't call in. Don't tweet. Don't text. Just in your own head. What's the number one country in the world for helping a stranger? Iraq. Okay? We just didn't bomb them enough, apparently, yet. What's happened with the bees? Well, global pesticide manufacturer Bayer, that's what we call them in the United States, Bayer in Germany, of course, where they domicile. I'm not sure that they domicile there for tax purposes, or anywhere for tax purposes. Apple doesn't. Why should anybody? Anyway, they will pay the state of Massachusetts $75,000 and change 
their advertising practices. This is to settle allegations that Bayer misled consumers about the risks its gone <laughs> lawn and garden products pose to bees and the rest of the environment. It's believed to be the first of its kind enforcement action targeting false advertising claims by a pesticide manufacturer who's uh, making these things known as neonicotinoids. If it's good enough for cigarettes, it's good enough for bees. Come on. Bayer made numerous misleading claims to consumers about the safety of its pesticide products, including falsely advertising that they were similar to giving a daily vitamin to plants when, in fact, they're highly toxic to honeybees, other pollinators, and species, and the environment, according to the Massachusetts Attorney General. Bayer spokesman Jeff Donald, so nice they gave him two first names, the uh, company believes the advertising was at all times accurate and transparent. The firm settled, he said, because of the time and cost associated with litigation. What? Why didn't anybody tell me that? Oh, all right. Um, Bayer now has to refrain from any reference or claim that the products are safe, environmentally friendly, non-toxic, or won't harm bees or other pollinators unless the company can substantiate that claim. The Attorney General's office said an investigation of Scott's miracle Grow for similar allegations was discontinued after that company opted to phase out neonicotinoids from its lawn and garden consumer product line earlier this year. And um, if bees could clap, they'd be giving a, a, a buzzing ovation right about now. Hello, welcome to the show. Come and talk of all the things we did today. Here and laugh about our funny little ways while we have a few
relief of having you to talk to. From the edge of Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans, Louisiana. It feels so easy to be doing this show this week for some reason. By the way, th- I'm, this, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. By the way, uh, thanks on this broadcast. I did it via Twitter last week. Thanks to Adolfo and Luisa Galli in Brescia, Italy, without, who, without whose help uh, this program <laughs> wouldn't have been broadcast last week. What the frack? New research from the U.S. Geological Survey suggests wastewater disposal was the cause of a 5.1 magnitude earthquake that shook Oklahoma in February. That ain't no baby quake. Uh, that was centered about 32 miles northwest of Fairview. You can't see it from here. Uh, it was the third most powerful earthquake in recent Oklahoma history. According to the Geological Survey, the earthquake occurred southwest of a group of high-rate wastewater disposal wells. The fact that seismicity is rather limited near the high-rate wells while the Fairview sequence occurred at a relatively larger distance from these wells shows us the critical rule pre-existing, though possibly unknown, fault structures play in inducing large events. That's according to Dr. William Yeck, a USGS scientist. This was the most powerful earthquake in Oklahoma since 2011, before an even bigger quake, magnitude 5.8, struck Pawnee, Oklahoma, on September 3, wastewater injection its potential role in the Pawnee quake, still under investigation. What the frack? And now... News of Scary Clowns. Police forces in the UK are now so concerned about incidents that they've warned anyone considering dressing up to deliberately scare people they face possible prosecution and a criminal record. Clown attacks are expected to spike over this Halloween weekend. Earlier this month, a string of disturbing incidents across Britain saw people in clown outfits, sometimes armed with weapons, jumping out on unsuspecting members of the public to deliberately scare them. Imagine, around Halloween. Such is the climate of fear that now surrounds the clown phenomenon, according to The Telegraph, that... uh, There were more than 120 calls in a single week from children worried about being attacked. One teenager reported she'd been threatened with rape by someone with a clown profile on a social media site. (laughs) Sorry, don't mean to. I'm, I'm amused by social media. The incidents prompted police forces to increase patrols last night, Saturday night, to deter such behavior. Some warning they would take a zero-tolerance approach to antisocial behavior. Why would they ever take a more tolerant approach to antisocial behavior, you would wonder. Some pubs even stated they would bar entry to anyone wearing a clown costume. Police in County Durham in England seized two clown masks and a knife from two 12-year-old boys. The uh, London police, the Metropolitan Police, the country's largest police force, also issued a stark warning to anyone using Halloween as an excuse to spread fear. It's like warning you against using Valentine's Day to spread love, isn't it? The National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children in Britain, we don't have such a thing, I don't think, here, warned The child line has been contacted 462 times in three weeks by children afraid of creepy clowns, providing 
84 clown-related counseling sessions on one day alone. I would love to be a fly in the phone for those clown counseling sessions. Um, But now it spreads. It spreads now so to Germany. On Wednesday, two teenagers in Coburg, Bavaria, were attacked by a man wearing a clown mask and carrying a chainsaw. The 16-year-olds were cycling through town when the man jumped out of a a bush and started the saw's engine. Um, A 16-year-old, well, let's see, a a teenager had to undergo an operation in hospital after he was stabbed by a friend whom he had attempted to scare by donning a clown mask and jumping out on him in the street. A 19-year-old in Rostock, Germany, was attacked and left bruised by a clown. Two of three thieves who robbed a Potsdam pizza shop were disguised as clowns. A 10-year-old in Munich was chased and shouted at by a person in a clown mask who was swinging an axe. Dateline, Wausau, Wisconsin. At John Muir Middle School, they responded to several students claiming they saw multiple clowns in a nearby park. In an email to parents and guardians, the principal said that the police had been notified and will be patrolling the area through next week. On Clown Patrol, that's that's got to be embarrassing. You know, you're at the cop shop, you're at the station. Well, we're going out on a, uh, a 233. What's that? Uh, suspicion of clown sighting? All right, then. In uh, Charleston, South Carolina, a 22-year-old walking your dog saw an evil clown mask and a knife. The latest person to be involved in a series of creepy clown sightings that popped up in August in Greenville, South Carolina. This from the Post and Courier. I'll take the Post. There is a, a word that has now entered the language. I mean, it's been in the language. It's entered the, uh, the currency. Coolrophobia. Coolrophobia. Fear of clowns. Welcome to the club. I've had it. Ooh. Since Bozo, I'll, I'll admit it, since, right since Bozo. In Greenville, authorities vowed to arrest anyone wearing a clown mask. In uh, September, police in Greensboro, North Carolina, say a man with a machete chased a person wearing a clown mask into the woods near an apartment complex. At some universities, students are reported to have formed vigilante clown hunting groups. There's a clown hunting Facebook page set up. The uh, university student in Charleston was confronted Tuesday and I told officers the person wearing the clown mask walked toward her with the knife. She fled to a friend's apartment. She couldn't describe the person except about 17 years old, five foot ten, and 160 pounds. Officer didn't find the suspect. According to the report, the woman wasn't able to provide further details because she does not like scary things. It was clear the victim would not know how to recognize a common horror character mask or a generic mask, according to the police. I have to say, nor would I. That's why I don't go on roller coasters. News of scary clowns, ladies and gentlemen. It's a thing. Coolrophobia. Join me, won't you? Now, let us try. Researchers in Seattle claim that a 24-year-old orca resident in the the Seattle area, I guess Puget Sound that would be, that they had watched from afar, died of malnutrition this week along with her calf. 
the founder of the Center for Well Research, researcher Ken Balcom, and other activists used the occasion to renew calls for removal or breaching of four dams located on the lower Snake River that feed into the Columbia River. The researchers believe the dams are impeding a historical salmon run that could number one million fish, the kind of fish that J-28 and the other orcas that call San Juan Islands home used to feed on. During the summer, researchers watched as this particular orca and her calves began to get thinner, began to get thinner and thinner. The researchers thought they were not finding enough salmon to feed on. Or they'd been reading in style. When that happens, not enough salmon, that is to say. I don't, I don't know what happens when whales read in style. But uh, contaminants stored in the whale's blubber are sometimes released into the body, said a marine biologist from uh, NOAA. If they're not getting enough to eat and using that blubber, that's when the contaminants have other health effects affecting their immune system and their reproduction, she said. The remains of the two whales have not been found, but uh, researcher Balcom believes they died because of a lack of food. The uh, orca population in the area has hovered around 80 for the last quarter century, far less than the 100 that's been a goal for many biologists. The uh, southern resident killer whales were put on the endangered species list in 2005, as was the preferred source of food, Chinook salmon. Who are you calling a Chinook? The Snake River contributed up to 45% of the Columbia River Chinook runs prior to the dams being built. Removing the dams would allow the Chinook to spawn naturally and in turn allow more fish for the orcas to feed on. Says Jim Waddell, a former Army Corps of Engineers supervisor who worked on the four dams in question, quote, these four dams are a worn-out are worn-out, worthless tools that need to be thrown out and replaced with an alternative, unquote. Got to get your electricity from somewhere. Gr- grind up the salmon for it. I don't know. Let us try. Let us, let us try, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, motto of the United States Army Corps of Engineers, they'll, they'll think of something, and, uh, and then they'll have to fix that. But now... News of Dominion. One of the world's largest tortoises, sorry, rarest tortoises, the plowshare tortoise, is about to become extinct. According to Mangabay.com, fewer than 100 plowshare tortoises remain in the wild, and continued poaching of these animals for the illegal pet trade is likely to wipe out the last few individuals in the next two to three years. A coalition of conservation groups made this announcement in a statement to governments attending the recent Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species in South Africa. I think the loss of the plowshare tortoise would be a tragedy and damning indictment of the state of things in Madagascar, said a spokesman for the Durrell Wildlife Conservation Trust. This is not only an ancient species that has every right to exist and not to be traded into extinction. It's another example of how external forces are able to strip out the country's natural resources with impunity. The plowshare tortoise occurs only in the Bali Bay National Park in northwestern Madagascar. So let's all go there and kill one. The park was established specifically for the protection of this species in its natural habitat. However, the animal's striking golden black domed shell has made it a prized pet in the international market, fueling organized poaching and trafficking that's driving the species toward extinction. The poaching has reached its peak over the last year, conservationists say. Since early 2016, tortoises appeared to have com- di- completely disappeared from several areas of the national park that was built to preserve them. 
It's extremely difficult to patrol because it lies along the coast, and so there's a porous border for poachers to use. The vice president of species conservation at the Wildlife Conservation Society says enforcement of law at airports has also been lax. That's enabled easy movement of shipments of poached animals from Madagascar. They have also tried a number of strategies, including permanently engraving numbers on the tortoise shells to make them less attractive to buyers. That doesn't appear to have deterred poachers. The marks can be made with some work to be less conspicuous. Second, some buyers are clearly willing to buy animals, which effectively have the statement, I am stolen, written on them. The, one of the teams, the conservation team, saw a number of marked animals being sold on Facebook early this year. I blame Facebook. At one time, conservation efforts for the plowshare tortoise were a model of successful species restoration, said uh, one of the conservation officials, Andrew Terry. But the rapid increase and all-encompassing pressure from poaching has undone so much of this good work. But that's... We've been given dominion, don't you understand? It's ours. We run it. It And a World Wildlife Fund Fund Living Plant report said that the world may lose 68% of its wildlife by 2020. If it happens, it would be considered the beginning of the sixth mass extinction in the history of the Earth. That's kind of a biggie. That's us, ladies and gentlemen. That is uh, us in action. That's what uh, what Dominion hath wrought, or is 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 wreaking, at the moment. Human induced climate change is the main cause of declining wildlife population. Fifty eight percent of the global population of fish, birds, mammals, amphibians, and reptiles has already been lost in the years between nineteen seventy and twenty twelve. of fish, birds, mammals, amphibians, and reptiles. Good eating. Talking about India, the report says about 41% of the mammals, 46% of the reptiles, 57% of the amphibians, and 70% of freshwater fishes are threatened with extinction. In the uh, period of the 20th century, human population on Earth increased from 1.6 billion to 7.3. So be fruitful. Food production to meet the rising demands of the population is the primary reason for the destruction of habitats, according to the World Wildlife Fund report. Researchers are now calling this era era, the Anthropocene, a time period during which the climate changes, oceans acidify, and the entire flora and fauna community disappears during a single human lifetime. Studies predict by 2050 there will be more polythene in the ocean than fish. The report says not only wild plants and animals are at risk, people are victims of the deteriorating nature. Patterns suggest that without action during the Anthropocene, the Earth will become much less hospitable to our modern globalized society, unquote. And that's supposed to be a bad thing. Dominion, ladies and gentlemen. It's our thing. We got it. Not going to give it up without a fight. And there's not going to be a fight because... The animals ain't going to fight us. And now. News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole, Jr.
The governor of Tokyo, she's what we would call a mayor, but, you know, it's like a radio station general manager calling herself president. She's the governor. She retracted now her plan to decide whether to change venues for the 2020 Olympics by the end of October, claiming she has her hands tied. Apparently, hand-tying is an old Japanese Olympic event. The comment followed her pledge, Yuriko Koiki, her pledge uh, early in the middle of this month to make her final decision on whether to scrap the most costly projects for the Tokyo Games during a meeting with IOC President Thomas Bach. They did meet in Tokyo over concerns over, uh, amid concerns over the soaring costs to host the Games, which are now uh, about $29 billion. After the meeting, I received a letter from President Bach and spoke to him over the phone. He asked me not to make any decisions for now, she said. When the final decision will be made is unclear. $29 billion. Tokyo's got that on. And Deadline Montreal, the World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA, has detailed serious failings of doping control management at the Rio Games, saying the system was only saved from collapsing by the enormous resourcefulness and goodwill of some key staff. In a 55-page report, WADA said the logistical issues which put a strain on the testing process were, quote, foreseeable and entirely avoidable, unquote. The report blamed the lack of coordination, budget cutbacks, tension between the local organizing committee and Brazil's anti-doping agency, and inadequate training for the problems that included days when only half the out-of-competition samples could be collected in the athlete's village. Unfortunately, many athletes targeted for testing in the athlete's village simply could not be found and the mission had to be aborted, said the report. On some days, up to 50% of the planned target tests were aborted in this way. The sample collection process in the village was so strained it came, quote, close to breaking point. Another key failure, the report said, no out-of-competition testing was conducted in soccer. Well, you don't got a drug up to play. Oh, and little or no in-competition blood testing in some high-risk sports, including weightlifting. During the Rio Games, seven athletes in four sports, weightlifting, cycling, swimming, and track, were sanctioned for doping offenses. That included one medalist, a weightlifter, a weightlifter from Kyrgyzstan. WADA said the role of its observer team is to help instill confidence in the quality, effectiveness, and reliability of the anti-doping program for the Olympics. The IOC's medical director showed the integrity of the program was ensured despite some challenges. Poor planning, transport issues, and a lack of catering for chaperones resulted in a higher-than-expected rate of absences, adding to the burden on doping control officers and other delegates. The expected daily maximum of 350 urine samples was never reached during the Games, according to the report. There were almost 500 fewer tests conducted than organizers had planned. Data entry errors led to nearly 100 samples not being matched to an athlete. And blood testing sections were underutilized, with some shifts at the lab having no samples to analyze at the beginning of the games. It's disappointing given that the latest equipment and best experts in the world were available, said the report. Well, of course they were. It was the Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one. Every day.
From New Orleans, this is Le Show. Now, news of Aztec. Didn't he get fired? Okay. Even though overall conflict-related civilian casualty numbers in Afghanistan fell by 1% in the first nine months of this year, child casualties saw a marked increase of 15%, according to the United Nations mission in Afghanistan. A particular concern the uh, agency noted was the continued rise in child casualties. Ground engagements caused more than half of all child casualties this year. Some more, some 84% of victims of unexploded ordnance were children. Of course, that happens all over the place. They want to play with the things that are bombs that go boom. Afghanistan has seen a dramatic surge in the production of opium this year, according to, again, the United Nations. I blame the U.N. For secu- poor security conditions have led to a 43% rise in production of heroin from last year. By uh, opium stock, 4,800 metric tons produced this year, according to the Afghanistan Opium Survey. There's a job. The new report shows a worrying reversal in efforts to combat the persistent problem of illicit drugs, according to the executive director of the U.N. Office on Drugs and Crime. The main reason was the deteriorating security situation in parts of the country. The eradication teams are coming under direct attack from farmers 
and insurgents who want to protect what to them is a lucrative cash crop. You may recall reports shared on this program over the years of attempts to wean farmers off of uh, poppy and to other crops and problems they're having with those, such as the uh, pomegranates they couldn't ship out. We had a big, big pomegranate crop. I think last week's show or week before talked about that. Who did? I did. A contingent of local militiamen backed by Afghan Taliban militants are backing are battling Islamic State fighters. It's the Taliban versus the Islamic State, ladies and gentlemen, in a big showdown in a remote district in eastern Afghanistan. This is according to interviews with regional authorities and local tribesmen reported by the Voice of America. Caution, caution. The fighting uh, involves Taliban fighters who consider Islamic State militants as enemy occupiers. Taliban are supporting local residents and local forces against IS aggression, said a Taliban expert talking to the Voice of America. They are not assisting the government forces, but standing for the locals. Oh, it's going to get like Syria, is it? During an 18-month period when the United States largely halted its withdrawal from its longest ever war, that's this one, the Afghan Taliban gained territory, according to a new report from the Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, the SIGAR. Afghan government control is now 65% of the districts in the country, drop from 70% it held at the beginning of this year. This is a part of the reason the uh, uh, Army General, the current U.S. Commander, Army, Army General John Nicholson, has pressed President Obama to delay the long-scheduled drawdown of American troops. Keeping U.S. troops in the country, though, as these reports indicate, has not prevented the Taliban from gaining ground. Earlier this week, the United Nations found civilian wartime deaths are at their highest level since the U.N. began counting way back in 2009. The Taliban and its allies are responsible for 60% of those deaths, but it warned, did the U.N., the casualties attributed to the forces aligned with the government are up 47% over the past year. They got good numbers. I mean, they got a lot of numbers. The death rate Here's more from Agence France Press. The death rate among Afghan security forces is surging far above last year's levels, according to the SIGAR. A slew, a slew of social gains in the war-torn nation is also eroding. The toll on local forces from providing security, replacing the NATO troops, has been devastating. The death toll, oh, I already told you that, Sigar found morale within the Afghan army ranks appears good. 90% are satisfied with their pay. The report also found gains in such social areas as poverty, unemployment, women's rights, and the education gender gap have all eroded this year. This is in Afghanistan. Not, not to mention anywhere else. This summer's finding saw the Taliban try to at least, at least seven times to seize a provincial capital, as they did in Kunduz last year. The Afghans managed to repel those attempts. And another interesting one, gunmen who claimed to be followers of the Islamic State killed 23 civilian hostages in uh, western Afghanistan. The most recent indication, this was, according to the New York Times, that the extremist organization has been gaining adherence in new parts of the country. 
provincial police and government officials say the killings were carried out by a former Taliban unit, 150 members strong. They defected from the Taliban and declared allegiance to the Islamic State. The Taliban spokesman quickly disassociated his group from the deaths, saying the killings had nothing to do with the Mujahideen. All right. Glad we cleared that up. That's how it looks from here. How does it look from over there? From Afghanistan Public Radio, where enhanced underwriting is now super enhanced. From the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, a city where the bombings never sleep, I'm Mahmoud. <laughs> and I'm Hamid. We're Shirk and Shark, the Screw It Brothers. Welcome to Karzai Talk. Today's non-rerun edition comes to you with the assistance of the Afghan Automobile Association, ensuring safe drivers since the middle of last March. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my younger brother, Mm -hmm. we now have one more way of disproving the climate change skeptics. Oh, my younger brother, what would that proof consist of? Mm, The fact that it's the end of October and it's still fighting season. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that just means the the army finally got some decent cold weather gear. Mm -hmm. Maybe it means you've just been dreaming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there's another good reason why our fighting season keeps getting longer every year. Oh, and what is that? No, because our theater season is full of nothing but revivals. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Who wants to see yet another version of My Fair Woman in a Burka? <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Fellas, it's, it's, it's very entertaining and all that, but I've, I've been on hold here for like half an hour, and, uh, you know, given what my time is worth, I think you owe me like the gross national debt times too, believe me. <laughs> I think, my brother, we are being blessed with a call from an American presidential candidate. Ooh, quick, ask him for some Humvees. <laughs> you know, I'd I give Mrs. Karzai a Hummer, but it's not what you think. <laughs> believe me. Right? Yeah. Mr. Trump, I cannot yeah. believe you're calling into our humble radio show. Yeah. You know, our audience is probably not what you're used to. Yes, our listeners know how to speak in complete sentences. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Listen, Mom, good. a lot of people say you charge too much for your Toyotas, but fellas, my handlers don't want me appearing anymore uh, with, uh, you know, unfriendly uh, questioners and interviewers, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys showed up on the friendly list. Well, it's probably because our green room is the only place in town with halfway decent scotch. <laughs> well, whatever it is, listen, here's the story. A lot of very smart people, some of the brightest people in the world, are telling me that I need to have a policy or an agenda mm-hmm. or something. Something about the war over where you were. So I thought I could try it out on you guys, you know, because, you know, I hate focus groups. I'm very, very good at knowing what's right. But when you got people like you, you know, uh, nice people who put me on the show and don't ask trick questions. You know, I might as well see what you think. Well, we've been a lot of things in our lives, but uh, this is the first time as a two-man focus group. Yes, and <laughs> good luck counting on him to focus. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. We've been supporting you people for what? Uh, 10, 12 years now? Mm, 15. Jesus, I've got pads and contestants younger than that. Okay, look, we can't continue this anymore. You guys have to start paying for our help just like, you know, Germany, just like South Korea, just like wherever. Well, well sir, but yes. uh, unlike those countries, uh-huh. the only revenue source we have is 
for Naden heroin. Yes, all of our jobs have gone to Pakistan. Maybe you could build us a wall. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the deal. Who's in the neighborhood who's got money to help you out? The Russians, right? Mm. Believe me. Yeah. So we get the Russians to pay us to keep our troops or our planes or our whatever over there. Uh, you get the security. Mm-hmm. We get the money. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the hell the Russians get. But <laughs> they get to go right back to the beginning of all this. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I, look, I can make a deal with Putin. He likes me. You think Hillary Clinton could get you Russian money? Oh, I'd be happy if Putin just bought a couple hundred tundras. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for the call. Uh, also, we bombed the sh- Oh, you hit that button just in time. <laughs> That's what our generals used to say. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> you are in Kazakhstan. Uh, hello, I am Mumtaz, mm. long-time terrorist, first-time caller. Oh, I don't believe we've had a self-described terrorist on the program before. Uh, no, we haven't. If, if you pledge to the show as yeah. a self-declared terrorist, uh-huh. you're automatically eligible for the Platinum Matching Fund. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yes. Thank you. My Afghan Express card was cancelled last month. Oh, were you behind on your payments? Uh, no, I helped blow up their building. <laughs> well, well, all right, uh, before we disperse to subterranean safe rooms, uh, caller, mm-hmm. do you have a question for us? Uh, yes, I've been part of the Taliban. Uh, I don't know if I should say this. Oh, we're on tape delay. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Okay, I've been with the Taliban since uh, Mullah Omar first moved to Kandahar. Ooh, that's when there still was a Starbucks in Kandahar. Mm. Not after I took care of it. (laughs) Well, we're busy tracing your call. What's your question? Oh, it's okay. It's a burner phone. (laughs) But I've I've gotten a great offer from the ISIS people, uh, doubling my monthly salary, much newer weapon, Mm -hmm. a whole sex slave deal. Mm -hmm. But I'd have to swear some kind of oath to kill my Taliban ex-brethren and... uh, I don't know. Oh, do you think it might brand you as some kind of mercenary without a shred of loyalty to your principles? No, no, no. I don't care about that. I'm anonymous anyway. No, wait, I thought you said your name was Mumtaz. I did. So- and your press release said this show was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm us. just not sure I trust ISIS <laughs> to uh, deliver on their promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing's in the writing. Mm-hmm. With the Taliban, I had a deal that they said was written by Alan Dershowitz. So, so that you could take to the bank. Well... Except I blew up the bank. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Sooner or later, the Afghan government is going to make a deal with the Taliban. It's not going to make a deal with ISIS. Mm, Even if they could get Alan Dershowitz to switch sides? No, no. But they're threatening to kill me if I don't take their deal. Oh, hey, we're threatening to kill you. Either way, you're already in mortal peril. Just do the right thing. Okay, thank you. Maybe uh, get out of the truck by 11. Mm, Thank you. We had help today from the Perpetual War Foundation. The one thing that grows in Afghanistan is conflict. Legal services for cars I talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Nukum. I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. Join us again next time, earlier next time, Central Afghan time, for another edition of Cars I Talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. Open up the window, 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. The Philadelphia 76ers apologized Friday for three mediocre... No, for canceling the national anthem performance of a singer wearing a jersey that had the slogan, We Matter, on the front of it. The 76ers, they wish, backtracked from their original stance when they told R&B singer... Seven Streeter, she could not perform the anthem before Wednesday night's season opener because of the slogan. We're sorry that this happened, the Sixers said in a statement. After receiving feedback from our players, basketball operations staff, and ownership group, we believe the wrong decision was made and Seven should have been welcome to sing. We apologize to her in an effort to move the conversation forward. We have reached out to offer her an opportunity to re- return and perform at a game of her choice. We're waiting to hear back. person familiar with the decision said she would be allowed to wear her We Matter jersey if she decided to sing. Streeter could not immediately be reached for comment. She was originally told she would not sing just two minutes before the performance. The Sixer players met Thursday and were considering whether to respond to her cancellation by playing better. I mean, by... Uh, on October 21st, this is from the Towson Towerlight student newspaper at Towson University on October 21st. The library officials apologized and offered context for a controversial throwback picture posted by the Special Collections Twitter account earlier. The image depicted two women hanging an effigy representing the Loyola mascot by its neck from a tree during the 1953 homecoming celebration. Students denounced the photo, saying it depicted a lynching and was insensitive to black students. The library then removed the tweet and posted an apology. That first apology was also eventually removed and replaced with a second apology from Dean of University Libraries Deb Nolan. Quote, the tweeting of this depiction of a lynching is unacceptable as it contradicts our university's commitment to provide a thriving, bias-free campus for all students. Nolan said in the apology, the use of that photo also runs contrary to this university's relentless pursuit of diversity and inclusion, unquote. The tweet apparently was meant to show Towson's first homecoming queen. The controversial photo just happened to be on the same page. The offensive image was taken two years after the first black woman applied to Towson and was denied omission. Believe it's the only university that's ever given me an honorary doctorate. I don't know what to do. The Foreign Ministry of Israel has issued a rare communique on the Sabbath of this week apologizing to Italy for comments made by uh, the uh, regional development minister, or the deputy one, Ayub Kara. Uh, This was a comment Minister Kara made attributing recent earthquakes in Italy to divine retribution for that country's abstention in a recent UNESCO vote on Jerusalem. and uh, sipping some Pat Robertson juice. The apology came on the eve of a four-day visit to Israel that began Saturday night by the Italian president. It was apparently aimed at fending off a diplomatic incident with Rome over the comments. Minister Cara was in the Vatican earlier this week, the day two earthquakes hit central Italy, issuing a statement saying that going 
through the earthquakes was not the most comfortable of experiences, but we trusted the Holy See would keep us safe. He added, I'm sure the earthquake occurred due to the UNESCO decision, which the Pope disliked and even said publicly that the Holy Land belongs to the people of Israel. Italy was one of the 26 countries that abstained in the early this uh, early October executive board vote by UNESCO that erased any Jewish connection to the Temple Mount. Italy didn't join five other EU nations in voting against the resolution, although the Prime Minister promised that would not happen again. And uh, he told Prime Minister Netanyahu that saying Jewish people have no connection to Jerusalem is like saying, quote, the sun creates darkness, unquote. Following protests from Rome at Cara's statement, the ministry issued the apology, condemning the remarks and said they are unworthy and were better off not having been said. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And uh, just some news from outside the bubble before we bring the whole shooting match to a non-shooting end. Russia has lost its bid to become a member of the UN's Human Rights Council. The defeat is believed to reflect the diplomatic cost of its war in Syria, at least according to The Guardian. Russia was beaten on Friday by Hungary and Croatia in the competition for two seats on the Council allotted to Eastern European states. Hey, but Russia's Asian too, isn't it? The first time one of the permanent five members of the Security Council had failed to get elected to the Human Rights Council followed a campaign by human rights groups. The uh, Russian envoy, Vitaly Cherkin, he's been there forever, hasn't he? Shrugged off the rebuff, saying the countries who beat Russia, quote, are not as exposed to the winds of international diplomacy, unquote. Human rights groups, though, also campaigned against Saudi Arabia for the high civilian death toll of its bombing campaign in Yemen. But Saudi Arabia did win one of the four seats reserved for the Asia-Pacific region. So, Russia loses... Saudi Arabia wins. Human rights, a draw. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations, over NPR Worldwide throughout Europe, the USEN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant on the mighty 104 in Berlin, on Soho Radio in London, available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com, available as a free podcast from SoundCloud Sideshow Network, iTunes, Tune in and WWNO.org and available via the internet around the world in two locations, live and archived whenever you want it, at harryshare.com and kcsn.org. And it'd be just like having some fries with those nothing burgers if you'd agree to join with me that, would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh huh.
Richard of the Show Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile in Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program. A playlist of the music heard here on and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Really? But they just had a thing on the thing with it. That's all at harryshare.com. And you can find me on the Twitter at the Harry Shearer, although I didn't lose me. show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.